I don't like to use them because they mess up my hair. You know, that's <laughs> same. <laughs> and you know, image is everything. Image is absolutely everything. So I didn't realize this podcast was going to spin into such a terrible place this early. Because if we're going to talk about <laughs> hair, I really I'm, have, I don't have very much time for this. Hey everybody, Pre-Accident Podcast, Todd Conk, and I'm your host. Welcome, my friends, in the midst of what is remarkable uncertainty. I really appreciate the, all the bazillion emails I'm getting. Um, I don't know how I feel about the sympathy you're feeling for us in the United States because it's that's a new emotion, but I appreciate the warmth and the camaraderie and the collegiality of the feedback we're getting, I, I have no idea what to say other than the importance of leadership and vision and strategy and understanding systems and their influence have never been more illustrated as more important than right now. It is a crazy time for us, at least in the United States. I, I know a lot of you are with us, but it's just, it's, 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 I wonder when the adults will step in the room. And that's a really horrible feeling to have. Um, I don't even know. I don't know what to say. But this podcast helped me because this podcast today is uh, is relatively, I think you'll find this one stimulating. And stimulating is nice, really nice. But it's fun. It's Tom McDaniel and Ron Gant and I. And what started out as a discussion of a paper they wrote kind of flew into current topics, which is probably exactly where it should be. And what's interesting is that the premise that we're not doing safety differently, we're actually doing new safety in a new world and a new environment, becomes a really strong theme. So it's one that I think you'll uh, have no problems getting behind because it's, it's true. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's just true. Very exciting time for me, you know, in the midst of, so both e-bikes are broken. Yeah, that's, I didn't realize when I got into this electronic bicycling thing that it was going to be a tinkerer's hobby, but it, it is. The one the one I made, of course, um, I overheated or I don't know what I did. I'm in a big discussion. They want me to send a video of how the engine control unit is overheating. I don't know how to do that, really, because it looks the same hot as it does cold. But I think I'll shoot a video and then touch it and act like I burnt myself. Ah, maybe that'll, I mean, it's drama. That could be drama. And then my, my nice bike, the uh, go to church on Sunday bike, I, uh, I broke the, I broke the pedal off. Yes, it, it happened. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Although, uh, it's so far so good. The company's making good on it and they're acting like it's not my fault. So maybe it's not my fault, but I don't know. I don't know how you break a pedal. I've never done that before. But I did. Schmack. Break. There it is. Gone. So that's the excitement that I'm dealing with. Um, but it's fun. And it's definitely getting me outside. And that's great. And I'm loving this uh, this new commute I have into work and out of work. It's been fun. Uh, gosh, I've been so busy hanging out with people and seeing everybody. Although it's through the computer screen. But I'm trying to really understand screen time and make it as valuable as I possibly can. Because it's all about the value. 
well, it's really all about the base, but the value comes in soon afterwards. So that's where I am. And anytime you end a class with happy trails, it's a good time. So let's get into the pod because we can talk more about the world and probably should, but I'm curious to see what you guys think about this discussion with Tom. So Tom McDaniel is a great, great early adopter of all this safety stuff really early. I mean, he's been hanging out with the cats for a long time and he's on a sailboat in Florida, probably as we speak. And Ron, who is the West coast version of this is Ron Gant. And he's been on the pod a million times. So, you know, Ron and love Ron. He's a friend of the pod for sure. And, uh, I just basically sit there and look pretty and ask a couple questions and I might make a comment or two. You'll have to see, but see what you think. Enjoy, have fun. Listen carefully. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends more is better. That's what they keep telling me. So here we go. This is Ron Gant, Tom McDaniel, and, uh, well, I'm going to be there as well. And we're going to talk about the world as we know it in the year 2020, a year that will go down in infamy. I mean, it's like, you know, that's important. So, and, and, and believe it or not, my uh, lawn guy just showed up. So noises are out of control here. That's, so That's all right. There's a new threshold for what audio quality is that's been set during the quarantine. So, and I've, okay. uh, you know, this isn't the, the Academy Awards, so we're pretty good. It's just, you know, a couple thousand safety people interested in what you have to say. There it is. I'm good with that. So why are, why are we on the phone? What, what are we talking about? What's going to happen here? Well, I think there's, there's, you know, kind of a couple things. I, I, I think there's, um, you know, one of the things, you know, Ron and I participated in this, this uh, Quintech uh, 2020 safety management trend report. And I, and I think it's kind of shows that, you know, Ron and I kind of stand out amongst with many others here in the U.S. that are really helping to um, understand, you know, what's coming down the pipeline as far as safety management. And we can really help reflect on on what is not working today. And I think, you know, Ron and I, you know, we've had many conversations and we've presented together over the years and we have a pretty good, you know, pretty good ideas and we share a lot of the same concepts as about, you know, what's going on out there and, you know, where we see the failures uh, in industry. And I think that's, that's, uh, I think we both shared that in the report and, you know, there was a lot of other people that did participate in the report as well that, you know, I don't know if we necessarily agree with the other people's assessments, but, uh, or opinions, however you want to put that in there. But I think that's one of the things we can talk about. Um, and, and, and the other thing, I think there, there, there's a variety of other things, I think why the three of us are together and, and, and that's really maybe the three of us and others helping to solve the one of the dilemmas here in the U.S. and maybe other parts as well. And that's really that there's a you know there's a tremendous amount of training that's going on, but there's not much competence building in this industry. You know, there's a lot of people that are you know, getting trained in different aspects, but it's not leading to competence, you know, and, and, 
And I know I ramble on and on, but, you know, if you talk about the three levels of knowledge, it's familiarity, understanding, and then effective action. And it really takes about five years in any domain to produce effective action. And, you know, there's ways to circumvent that, obviously, to to produce effective action. But, you know, we're not we're not producing people, you know, that are in effective action. You know, they come to these workshops and they go, hey, that's great. You know, safety too, safety differently, you know, human factors, you know, human performance. And then now, now what do I do with it? You know, I don't know what to do with it. And I think there's a real opportunity to change the approach where we produce competence rather than just produce knowledge. Did your guys' article approach that topic? What 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 did you talk about? Both of you guys talk about in the Quintech article. I'll let Ron go and then I'll go. Um I so uh, Ron, I'm sorry. I did I did not mean to wake you. I feel really bad about yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I I need to wake up real quick. Uh no, no, no. So I think uh what did we talk about? So I'm looking at the article right now. I mean, I just responded to their questions um about, you know, what are the key trends? What are the things that are important? What are the things that matter? Uh, for safety coming up. And I mean, ironically, this was written last year. So uh, there's some things that are not as applicable. And then there's some things that are even more applicable. Um, I don't remember everything I said, but I know, you know, how I'd answer it today. So and I, I my answers aren't even all in here for all these ones. I mean, there are a couple things that I say. Um, for some reason, I got to choose who the uh, most uh, inspiring people are like they chose like five inspiring safety people and it's not i don't even know if this is in the report but i i got three of them three people i know that's a that's that's either here i don't know so it's basically what are the what are coming on you know safety management safety culture i think they asked about technology and digital stuff like that. So. And, and from my side, I pretty much, I, I pretty much kind of blasted OSHA and ASSP for really sending, you know, the the wrong messages. I mean, there there's this um, obsession with outcome in industry, and that's pretty much everywhere. That that's really this obsession with outcome is is stopping or is a roadblock to maturity. I mean, and, and even a lot of academics and a lot of really good, you know, top level safety professionals, all they're trying to do is produce better outcomes. And they really don't understand that, you know, the concept that every task, every single task contains incidents. And there's, you know, no such thing as right and wrong and good and bad when it comes to safety. Oh, unless, of course, you have a like fatality, of course. But they they are always waiting for failure to learn. And this is only being, you know, um, uh, you know, this this concept is still being. Um, uh, why do I want to say? Um, 
driven by OSHA and ASSP with this insane focus on rates, which, you know, we've talked about that for years, but, you know, it's, this is just this, this whole concept that, you know, not having an incident means somehow we've done this task correctly and everything's fine. And, and, and this, this is what's, what's really harming us because, you know, there, people are waiting to learn until something has, has failed, which is absolutely nuts from my perspective. I think from anyone, from anyone's perspective, but let me, let me toss in a question to, to kind of build upon what you guys talked about pre COVID and ask a question that probably has more application post COVID. And that is how do you see the new view of safety, whatever we can't even figure out what to call it, but how do you see the new view of safety helping organizations succeed in this reality that's no longer optimized towards efficiency, but in fact, the push now seems to be optimizing towards more resilience. I'm going to let the, I'm going to wait for my, (laughs) here. sorry guys. (laughs) Tom, are you, are you following this guy around? It sounds like you're next to him. (laughs) I don't think you should ride on the lawnmower. (laughs) I was thinking about doing that. So, you know, I, Um, I think that, you know, that COVID is, is really, I don't know if it, it has, if anything, I think it has slowed down um, any maturing because I think people are in a panic mode and they're, they're coming down to, to just this, you know, what can I do to, you know, control COVID in my workplace? And I, I don't, I think if anything, it's, it's, it's stopping people from, you know, learning. They're all just sitting home doing, working from home. And, and I don't think they're taking advantage of this time when they really could be, uh, taking this, taking the opportunity to, um, you know, really learn more and, and learn how to implement more to do things differently in this new environment, which could be here to stay for a long time with exception, of course, like with what Ron's putting on and some others. But I, I just don't think that, um, you know, if, if anything, they're, they're really losing contact with what's going on with their workers. And, and I think there still needs to maintain some level of contact with management, with workers and so forth. There still needs to be that interaction. So, you know, that's, that's the only thing that I'm, I'm afraid of is that we may be actually be going backwards during this time, um, which is why, you know, that what I'm trying to do for my next big move is, 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 you know, take a few people and mentor them like I did for years working in industry and really get them to this competence level, you know, focus on five, six, seven people and really get them to this level so that, you know, we can, you know, we can take this time, this opportunity and take advantage of it. Ron, are you seeing the same thing? I'm curious. Cause I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not at all. I, in fact, I see quite the difference, but I'm curious. I, I don't know that I see going backwards. I, I see organizations questioning a lot of their fundamental assumptions, right? Which that in and of itself, I think is a good thing. Um, you know, they're, they're questioning the, the stability that, you know, a lot of organizational life was built on. I mean, we're all questioning a lot of stability that society was built on in this time, right? So it sort of makes sense. Um, you know, to Tom's point, there is a 
there's a chance and in, in it's you know certainly very possible that a good portion of those organizations will come to the conclusion that more controls needed that you know I, the example that pops in my head is the scene from Jurassic Park where they're sitting down eating ice cream and you, you know you have the old guy on one side saying the problem is we need more control and then you got the uh, scientists on the other saying no, the problem is we you know that we thought that control was possible and uh, and I I sort of see that sort of argument happening now in real time. Um, and I think to your point, Todd, a lot of organizations are siding on, on that side that no, the, the issue isn't necessarily that we need more control, that we need more resilience. I do see a lot of questions about what that means and what that looks like. And so I think there's a lot of search that's happening right now and sense making that's happening in real time. Um, and so I, I see that, you know, to the question about what's the role of the new view, my hope is that the new view steps into that gap and really starts to moderate that discussion and says, yeah, you know, we do need more resilience and here's what it look, could look like in your organization. Here's what's possible and here's a way forward. That's sort of what I see. And at I, least. I think so. I hear you. And, and I, to be fair, Tom, I'm not in uh, this is not a violent disagreement, although we have those. This okay. isn't one. Um, uh, what I see is that at the senior level, at the managing director, CEO level, the higher level of the organization, Zoom is kind of the great equalizer, and they suddenly have access to people that they've never had access to before. And the people who the, kind of were the loudmouths and the bossy pants in the senior leader meetings, they're sort of equalized. Suddenly they're just one little box next to a, you know, a, a field supervisor who's who's addressing problems. And so you're seeing a different form of access to the leadership that's ever existed before. And I think that's interesting and, and relatively worthwhile. Now to Tom's point, which I think is really valid is I think there's a layer of people who, who have, who have by definition become somewhat redundant. And I mean that in the nice way, but, but the administrative burden that we've put on doing work was really the first thing to go when people responded mid crisis for essential work, you know, essential getting toilet paper on the shelves of the stores. And that administration, that administrative burden level represents a tremendous amount of people in the organization that are, I think are really questioning their roles. Yeah. I think one thing that's, that's part of this that we need to be, how, how big is your lawn, Tom? Is do you live on a golf course? I have the smallest waterfront lot on Tampa Bay. I mean, it's like it's postage stamp size. I don't even know if I have a lawn service because I could probably mow my lawn in like eight minutes. But, <laughs> but you know, I gave up mowing my lawn. You know, I traveled for thirty-eight years, so I gave up mowing my lawn so I could come home every Friday night and have you know a perfect yard. And I've just continued it. It's <laughs> like. You, you know, so but but besides that point, you know, management, you know, because because you brought up the, the role of management and their thinking, you know, we've done we've done a terrible job of of teaching management what safety is. You know, for years, we taught them to assess safety by looking at these incident rates and and, I, you know, the very largest corporations around the world are still today you know, assessing themselves by incident rates and nothing else. And, you know, so all of these managers out there, you know, senior executives, you know, you know, that's what they see today. And 
we need to back up now and you know basically tell them, hey, this was great back when we were doing 1990 safety and we had you know a plethora of incidents and we needed to get a handle on this. But today it's different. You know, we need to have a different you know assessment process, and we need to have you know one that actually tells you um, pretty much what's going on in your organization, where your risks are. Um, what are your opportunities and, and the things that you can do to address this? And, and, you know, I have my own methods for doing that, for showing them a new type of data that will, you know, give them, you know, the really closing the gap between work as imagined versus work as performed that really can say, okay, here's your, here's your organization, here are your risks. Now, if you want to do something about that, that's fine, but it really, it's up to you if you want to do something about that, and here's what you could be doing. Because this, this false assessment of, you know, rates for your organization, you know, this has got to stop. I mean, this, it's, it's, it's bad both ways. And I think that's part of what the new understanding of safety. For, it, it, I, so I think it's not bad that we spent the last 20 years talking about building capacity. Yeah. Uh, right. Because now we're in a position where it became really obvious that capacity was important, that resilience is important. And the way it became obvious is, is that organizations that had no capacity, had no resilience really were easy to spot. And you really yeah. see it with like global supply chain and these complex relationships that exist that dramatically impact production and operations. Uh, and, and that's been a part of it. Ron, you're going into the field a little, what are you seeing in the field? Well, so yeah, really quickly on that last point, I think you're right, Todd, that we're starting to see which organizations have capacity. My concern actually though, is we're going to continue to have capacity problems in the future. Uh, because we're seeing the immediate effects of having, you know, those uh, or having or not having those really tangible capacities, you know, such as PPE, right? That's the right. obvious one that yeah, that's gets the pointed one. out. The, what, what you brought up earlier, though, I think was a really important point about how technology can democratize the organization, right? It makes it easier for those at the top to get in contact with those at the bottom. Um, and there's a social side that is being impacted in a huge way right now. A lot of those, you know, th every safety professional listening to this and every person in an organization can, can, who's listening to this can think of examples where something really important got done just because two people happened to walk by each other in the hallway and started a, you know, small talk conversation and someone just happened to ask about that big project. Right. And that led to a conversation that, oh, my God, we need to make sure that happens. And, you know, if, you know, uh, and so those sort of small little informal interactions, which I think are very important for a lot of organizations, are happening at a significantly lower amount these days. And so I think organizations should start thinking about, OK, what technologies do I have? And how can I leverage those technologies and really think about them as capacities because you've lost the capacity to have some social interactions that may or may not have been critical for safety, right? Um, how can I leverage those technologies to create new capacities within the organization to allow people to connect and have conversations? It's sort of like taking a cue from dialogic organization development where they say an organization is an ongoing conversation. 
Okay, how can I keep that conversation going? How can I create more touch points for people? I think that's pretty important. Well, and I think, and I think how that conversation has changed, right? If, if Marshall McLuhan, famous Canadian scholar, said the medium is the message, then all of a sudden what's changed is the medium's changed dramatically. I was on a call just a couple of days ago with university presidents because, man, universities are in huge flux right now and they're trying to understand uncertainty and they're trying to understand the paradox of, of sort of the efficiency thoroughness trade-off. It's all the stuff we talk about all, all applies at a bunch of different levels. And I heard the most interesting thing said. This university guy, this president guy, I mean, he's a senior guy, he said, had this pandemic happened 10 years ago, we could not have provided the level of service to our students that we were able to provide now. And so technology, which has clear downsides to hallway conversations and, and informal sort of relationship building, I think also brings with it a, a clear set of advantages that we can mm-hmm. use to, to kind of bounce forward. And, and that's incredibly interesting to me. I, I would start getting involved in digitalization just over five years ago, and especially how it, it uh, works for EHS and quality and really organizational assessment and, and building resilience. And, and there is so much to digitalization that we are still just in the infancy um, for digitalization. And, you know, the first efforts by a lot of people were just to take existing safety programs and such and put them into a digital world. That's not digitalization. But what you're talking about is, you know, and that's where, I mean, it's a wide open world. And you don't do things the same way. You look for ways that you can build, um, you know, increased capacity. Um, and one of the examples I used was, you know, taking, um, you know, taking a, a, like a pre-task assessment that that you have now the capacity to bring in, um, you know, all types of incidents that have already been associated with this task and so that the users can see them. You also have a help button that you can press on like an iPad type of 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 um, device and then all and in the and you can have a 24 7 ehs or quality person or subject matter expert available to answer a question for you and you can be remote somewhere at a job site in canada or in australia and you've got somebody in germany helping you so i mean these are the types of things with digitalization that that are so far beyond you know just the the normal way of doing work you know, the access to experts, uh, just the access to information um, that that is just it, it's fantastic. And, and we're still just scratching the surface. Now, COVID has you know, obviously, you know, brought forth this this uh, use of digitalization. And, unfor- and I would say, unfortunately, um, a lot of it's just been for Zoom, you know, connecting people socially through Zoom and doing meetings and so forth. And um, and that is funny. At my house the other day, I had three Zoom meetings going on at the same time. It's like talk about bandwidth issues, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's like it was absolutely crazy. But uh, there's there's you know, it, it's people are beginning to see, but you know, it, it's it's a wide open world, so it's not doing the same thing in a digital world. It's doing something completely different that enhances your capacity. And and we ran through a whole entire list of things and implemented multiple things that that 
you know, this is where it's heading towards. And I think what COVID has done has jump-started this. And I think a lot of organizations are going to be open, are going to be a lot more open to doing this because, you know, you can't be there in person. So what are you going to do to ensure this capability and capacity at a job site, um, you know, that you can, what can you do to help them? You know, and this is this is a lot of what this is going to be about. So I, I predict there's going to be, you know, um, a great movement towards this. Um, but, you know, you still have a lot of people stuck in the old way of doing things. And, and that's, you know, that's going to be a problem. You're going to have to have people that that, you know, aren't the dinosaurs that think of the old way of doing things that are really coming up with the new thinking and saying we're going to approach it differently. But, but this is where I kind of come back to this this whole reinvention of safety as to really what safety is in an organization. And and this is where, you know, I, I always tell every time I do a presentation, I get up on stage, whether I'm doing a keynote speech or speaking at a conference or just in front of a group of people, I'll tell them I'm probably the only person they're ever going to meet that could care less about their incident rates because it tells me nothing about their organization. I don't even want to know your incident rates. It means nothing to me because, you know, it doesn't tell me how your organization functions, how it communicates, what are the narratives, what are the distinctions that they're using? That's what I'm looking for. And I've actually done it with my own organizations. I've cared less about incident rates. You know, it, it means it means nothing. But, you know, you've got all these people that are it's so inbred into them you know they grew up in these historical conversations and especially here in the u.s and they keep talking to each other and keep reinforcing these concepts and we've got to break that somehow well, and i think and i think that i think the most difficult the, thing to do the crisis provides that burning platform i mean i you're exactly yeah. i think you're right in your observation and i think i think people are being forced to change at a rate they didn't imagine Ron, what do you well, think in kind of kind of final, not final thoughts, but what are you thinking about where we are in this? Because we're kind of running at so, the end of our time here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, so it's listening to to uh, you know this conversation and reflecting on it. I think some pieces are coming together. So the, the image that pops in my head is that old sort of philosophical question of you know you you have a ship that starts at one port. And on the way to where your destination is, you systematically change one plank of wood at a time, right? And does and so you know you've changed out every single piece within that ship to something new. And so it, you know the question is 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 the ship that you left with the same ship that you arrive with? Um, you know, and, and that philosophical question aside, that holy crap, the idea the, the, that, this is like sitting at the lap of the Buddha. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's kind of interesting, right? Uh, uh, but the, you know, hearing you know, some things that you know, you said and Tom said, with the changes that are happening, in, you know, we're not doing safety in a new environment. We're doing new safety, and I think really the challenge to organizations is whether or not they're going to recognize that. Because in the COVID world, you know, we are not. Uh, you know, if the medium is the message, then we are currently in a state of reorganizing. Right? That, that's what organizations are doing. And so you are creating a new organization. The ship that you're going to arrive with may not be the same ship that you left with. And so we get to choose whether or not we want to 
be involved in that process, right? Be involved in influencing it and understanding how it's adapting and creating resilience in that process. And so to me, I think that's the challenge organizations have. And that's that's the mindset we should be bringing to the table, not trying to reinstate a sense of normalcy, but create a sense of opportunity uh, for change. So there you go. That's the 300th podcast conversation with Ron and Tom and myself, and I'm glad you were a part of it. What do you think? I love the whole building a boat metaphor. I have, I'm going to think about that one a while, actually. I, I can, I can sort of ponder that in my brain and see what happens. That's the pod. Thanks for listening. Lots coming up. There's a lot of exciting coming up. So you're going to have a, it's going to be a good listen. So keep, keep hanging on. Tell your friends. We'll have lots of fun. Until then, learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be kind to each other. That's actually really important. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe.